When viruses spill over from animals to humans, there can be serious consequences. Viruses like SARS-CoV-1, SARS-CoV-2, which causes COVID-19, and Hendra are all linked to this kind of spillover event. Conservation biologist Dr Peggy Eby from the University of New South Wales and wildlife disease ecologist Dr Alison Peel from Griffith University are two of the authors on a study published in Nature which analyses 25 years of data on Hendra virus spillovers from bats to horses. Welcome to Cosmos Insights, where our newsroom journalists talk with the researchers who are changing our world. I'm Petra Stock, and this is Alison Peel. So bats are spending more time in agricultural and urban areas and changing their behaviours. What is it about that that increases the risk of virus spillover? So bats naturally move very wide, long distances across the landscape as they search for food. And so that includes um, urban areas and agricultural areas. But at certain times of the year, there are certain areas of our landscapes that have very little um, natural food sources for them. But what we've um, shown with the research is that through clearing of some of their, you know, really critical key habitat that they feed on uh, during wintertime, they are searching out alternative food sources that are more uh, reliable um, during those periods. Now, that those periods can mimic sort of natural food shortages that we see that are, are climate-driven. And what we're seeing is that the, the loss of habitat is causing uh, bats to adopt some of those sort of um, natural behaviours that they've previously only used for short periods of time during climate-driven um, food shortages and adapting them more permanently to, to persist in our urban and agricultural environments. So we think that this contributes to the risk of hendrovirus spillover predominantly through um, in two ways. One, it's uh, increasing the, the likelihood of contact with, uh, with horses, um, so that providing that opportunity for the virus to pass from the flying foxes to the horses. Um, and, and that is as bats are, you know, feeding on, you know, um, fruit trees or, or, you know, introduced species in, in horse paddocks. The other feature is that we can see that bats that are persisting in areas where they didn't previously have any winter um, habitat are excreting higher rates of, um, of Hendra virus in, um, at those roosts. And so we think it's a combined effect of those two features. Your article explains that habitat loss and climate change is driving bats into agricultural and urban areas. Peggy Eby, if I can ask you, why does this lead to increased risk of virus spillover? Certainly, that same process that we discussed earlier about where where the bats were reducing their nomadic behaviors, moving into particularly urban areas to feed, reducing the size of the of the roosting groups and increasing the number of roosts that they're using in those areas, leads to conflict with humans. Because suddenly people find that that lovely um, creek line at the end of the street contains a roost of flying foxes, people don't adapt easily to the presence of flying foxes in their urban landscapes. That's um, understandable. But this is a process that's being driven by much larger uh, forces, as it were, by rapid environmental change. The bats are adapting their behaviours in response. It's increasing conflict as well as increasing hendrovirus risk. It also becomes problematic for their conservation. Those 
key winter habitats that we're losing through ongoing clearing are, are fundamental to the survival of the animals. So these are animals under considerable stress to break their long-held evolved behaviors of roosting in large groups, tracking pulses of eucalypt flowering, and changing them so dramatically is a clear sign of severe stress on the animals themselves. That's a conservation concern. It's also drawing animals out of native forests, which is reducing the ecological role, the important ecological role that they play as pollinators. So there are many, many impacts of these behavioural changes. So you've drawn this sort of clear link between human-induced habitat clearance to changes in bat behaviour and then the increased risk of spillover events. What steps might we take to reduce the risk of these events? We found very clearly in our, in our study that a rich pulse of native flowering in winter in a local area that's sufficient to draw 100,000 or more flying foxes to that resource is protective against endovirus spillover. We have found no examples where spillover occurs coincident with that type of rich flowering pulse. So the obvious way <laughs> of, of mitigating hendrovirus spillover risk is to increase the frequency of those flowerings. We need to both protect those key winter habitats that continue to exist, and we need also to restore what's been lost, particularly in some key areas, such as southeast Queensland, northeast New South Wales, where the frequency of those flowerings, the reliability of those flowerings is higher than in other areas. So we get a better response by protecting and restoring those habitats than some of the other winter flowering habitats, but all of it is important. So more flowering eucalypts in New South Wales and Queensland will help the bats and help humans. Thanks to both of you for joining. Is there anything final you would each like to add? Just one more point about the flowering. We've also found that when those rich flowering pulses occur, it draws bats out of the contentious roosts in urban areas. And so by increasing the frequency of those flowerings, we would be both reducing spillover risk and reducing conflict. Sure. And I'll just add too, I guess, um, more broadly, um, sort of applying these, you know, the process, I guess, that we went through for this this work to broader systems elsewhere. We would not have gotten to the insights that we got to within the paper if we didn't have broad expertise from, from you know, ecologists, environmental scientists, veterinarians, and public health people bring, and, you know, data scientists to bring all that information together. Um, and so if we're wanting to take steps to prevent um, emergence of pathogens from wildlife um, into the future and prevent pandemics, then we really need to make sure that all those um, different people have a seat at the table. Indeed. You can read more about the research by Dr Peggy Eby and Dr Alison Peel on our website, cosmosmagazine.com. This podcast is produced by the Royal Institution of Australia in Adelaide on Ghana land. The Royal Institution of Australia is a not-for-profit whose mission is to communicate science widely as the key to a better world. 
We do this through our stories which are turned into educational resources, teaching the scientists of tomorrow about the science of today in classrooms across Australia. Support us by subscribing to Cosmos Magazine, Australia's last print science magazine, and Cosmos Weekly, its sister e-publication. Thank you.